welcome back to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Paltz, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner, and today is Season 2, Episode 7 of the podcast. Uh, this is uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day 2024, and we have a great show to discuss tonight. This is going to be Jerry Garcia Band. February 17th, 1980, Miracle by the Lake. Uh, by the way, February is Jerry Garcia Band Month, so we got a couple more weeks of all Jerry, Jerry Band, Jerry Acoustic, and um, yeah, some cool stuff to look forward to, but this show is huge. Definitely uh, take up the whole podcast, one of the longer epic shows of Jerry Garcia Band history, a show which I ranked fourth in my book, Positively Garcia, Reflections of the JGB. It's that good of a show, folks. And uh, February 1980 was a memorable month for both the Jerry Garcia Band and the United States Olympic hockey team. The night before, uh, Jerry played in Laker Hall on the campus of Oswego University. The U.S. hockey team beat Czechoslovakia 7-3 in the Olympics. And that's really where the miracle on ice begins. Uh, Czechoslovakia was considered by most to be the second best uh, team in in the tournament, the only team that uh, could really give the Russians a a run for their money. And when the United States beat them 7-3, they kind of destroyed them, which was was a huge surprise. Uh, That's kind of where the dream of the miracle was born. Nobody thought they would win, but at least people could dream that they would give them a game and there was the smallest chance maybe they would pull off the upset, which obviously they pulled off that miracle. And um, on tonight's episode, uh, we got more of the interview with Ozzy Allers, who was in the band, uh, the Jerry Garcia band in 1980, obviously the keyboardist at this show and great audio highlights from the show. Um, and on an earlier episode of uh, the Deadology podcast, uh, we took a look at King College, uh, the early and late show from 1980. Great show. Uh, but this Oswego uh, show is so big, it's, it's better than, than that, especially you're not comparing apples to apples. It's one show versus an early and late show. So for one show, it's just it's an incredible, incredible night in Oswego. And um, a couple other Great shows I want to point out from um, February 1980, uh, just to put this in proper perspective of how many awesome shows there are and why this is such a great month in uh, JGB history. Uh, the awesome shows, February 12th at the Leisner Auditorium, uh, that's Washington, D.C. Uh, February 15th, uh, played a great early and late show in the Orpheum Theater, Boston, uh, they then they did the, the Oswego show on the 17th year, uh, UMass on February 20th. Really good show. Uh, the recordings from that particular night aren't spectacular, but oh my God, that sugary that opens up the second set of UMass. You, you got to check that one out. Just the 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 best the the third jam of that is the best one you're ever going to hear. And two other. Well, I talked about I mentioned King College already, and to close out this tour, they played. Uh, the Calderon Theater on February 29th, and the Capitol Theater on the first day of March, uh, but it's still part of this tour, part of the February 80 tour. All spectacular. There were other shows, but I think these are the very best from that tour. 
and the king of them all is Oswego. On February 17th, it was 16 degrees in Oswego at showtime with a 20-mile-per-hour wind off of the lake. Uh, yeah, you can find out some amazing uh, facts when you look on the, uh, the internet, uh, find out the actual temperature on, the, on a day in 1980. Um, yeah, but Oswego is usually very cold and very windy at this time of year. Um, I, I spent a couple weeks in Oswego many years ago. Uh, they got that huge nuclear power plant, Nine Mile, just kind of hovering over the lake there. Kind of an ominous presence. But that, well, that, besides that, it's a, it's a beautiful little town with a lot of bars and a great college. Uh, so on this night, February 17th, Robert Hunter, for the first time on this tour, opened up for, uh, for the Jerry Garcia Band. Uh, later in the tour, he would come out and do a couple tunes with uh, with Jerry uh, and, the, and the boys. Um, yeah, it was great to hear Hunter play with the band. It must have been awesome to see the, the opening set, an acoustic Robert Hunter set, to set things up for Jerry. And uh, Jerry opens up with his mission statement, I'll take a melody and see what I can do about it. Take a simple C to G and feel brand new about it. Uh, yeah, what a great, you know, you, you would think Hunter wrote that for Jerry, but obviously it's an Alan Toussaint song, but uh, just a, a great, a great opener. You know, it's a, that one, um, probably my favorite opener. Uh, I enjoyed it a little more than how sweet it is. It's just the, the beautiful ballad uh, component of it. And then those uh, great little shifts in time. Uh, very cool tune, great opener on this night. Uh, then they go for a much desirable second song, Friend of the Devil. And unfortunately, this <laughs> very unusual that they, but they kind of laid an egg on this Friend of the Devil. It was just off. You know, Jerry's singing was off a little bit. He missed the lyric. Um, you know, the, the jam didn't end at the right point. It's bizarre, you know. And, um, you know, usually it would be like at this, the Grateful Dead were playing so many fantastic friend of the devils at this time it was kind of surprising that they botched this one especially on what would go on to be one of the greatest shows ever that jerry garcia band played uh but the devil is uh you know is a little bit botched so they kind of hit the reset button and they did a normal uh two-song opener uh how sweet it is catfish john they're the usual one-two opener and it sounds pretty good here but there's one more distraction that this show really takes off after the first four songs uh, but on the tape, all we have is audience tapes of this. You could hear this one numbnut just screaming, sit down. You hear him screaming like 10 times during How Sweet It Is. He screams it like 15 times during Catfish John. Obviously, it wasn't having the proper effect, you know. Uh, that type of thing is not going to go over to good in any kind of uh, Garcia band, Grateful Dead crowd. So uh, uh, nobody sat down, but the freaking guy ruined uh, part of the tape. It definitely... Uh, he, very loud. He's screaming, sit down repeatedly, a mental case. But uh, so besides that, you got some cuts in the tape. The catfish is cooking pretty good and the guitar jam gets cut. Not sure what happens. Obviously a taping issue. From this point forward, the taper is perfect. You know, it's uh, an incredible, uh, pretty, very good audience recording. And um, so, but the first four songs, you just couldn't imagine listening to this on tape or even being there in person how this show would just take off to be such a brilliant show. Uh, but the transformative song of the night is when they go into the fifth song, Deal. And great middle jam on it. And this, uh, 
this configuration, the Jerry Garcia band, uh, was obviously Jerry, Khan, uh, Johnny DeFonsessa on drums, and Ozzy Allers on keyboard. Uh, with, this, uh, with this group, for the first time, they did a, a second jam in the deal where they, you know, they do the middle jam, and then they, they do do that, like, what, what ended up becoming, like, the blockbuster showcase jam at, at the end. Not quite as long as it would be in the future here, but it got the crowd excited, and you could just feel the band and the place. Everybody is, like, going nuts during this deal. It just turned up, you know, the, the excitement was right there. Every, everything was in place for the night to take off. And obviously, deal would uh, mature into one of the show-stopping, a show-stopping first set ender for both uh, the Jerry Garcia band and the Grateful Dead in the years to come. Uh, so that the whole show changes right here. From this point forward, you're not going to find a better Jerry Garcia band show anywhere. Uh, f- song number six is is a gem. Uh, posit- uh, posit- I was going to say Positively Garcia, the name of my book. Positively Four Street. The awesome uh, Bob Dylan song, and uh, man Jerry just does an incredible version here. Uh, Dylan very much dug this song. He loved the way Jerry played it. You know, he very much approved of the way he did it on the Keystone uh, recording from '73. And uh, yeah, just when I, when I was listening to Keystone, it was when, you know, obviously one of the first albums most of us would have from the Jerry Garcia band. Just that positively jump Fourth Street just jumps out at you. And it's very cool and everything, but these ones from 1980, just the jamming is much longer and it's so intense. These are great versions. Um, and after this tour, they would they stopped playing Positively Fourth uh, Street for like 10 years, and then until Jerry Garcia Band brought it back. But obviously, uh, the peak of Positively Fourth Street or any of these 1980 versions, they're incredible. I think the very best one is from the Keystone, uh, December 21st, 79. But uh, this Oswego one is one of the best. And uh, Jerry had a very interesting thing, interesting comment on Positively 4th Street. I'm going to read that to you, and then we're going to hear a little bit of this version from Oswego. Jerry said, It was the beautiful sound of Positively 4th Street that got to me more than the bitterness of the lyric. The combination of the beauty and the bitterness, to me, is wonderful. It's like a combination of something being funny and horrible. It's a great combination of two odd ingredients in the human experience. Well, you know, oh, as well as me, you'd rather see me
some uh, yearning, burning guitar work from uh, Jerry Garcia and some heartfelt, heartbroken vocals. The Oswego Positively 4th Street. And uh, it's amazing what Jerry had to say about that, about that 4th Street and the way he interpreted it as opposed to Dylan. I mean, D- Dylan's version is just, it's brilliant the way he did it. Because if, if Dylan didn't put that to like a nice melody, it would have came off as too vicious, too angry, too finger-pointing. So there's almost a comical, as Garcia nailed it, he said, it's a combination of something being funny and horrible. It's a great combination of two ingredients in the human experience. And um, yeah, so, so so Dylan's version does that, man. It just has that, it just, there's really nothing like it. And um, you know, the, the organ playing by Dylan on that, just such one-of-a-kind song. There's, not, there's nothing like it. But Garcia took it to a in a different vein, took it a little more, a little more serious, man. You just want to go up there and hug Jerry and tell him everything's going to be all right, man, because it's, it's really heartbreaking the way he performs that. But it's brilliant. And um, so Fourth Street, I mean, at this point, the show is is really taken off. The Swigo is in heaven, man. And uh, Garcia Band, just you know, they they know they're on top of the world right now. Everything's in in the right motion. They close out the first set with "That's All Right, Mama," and uh, just yeah. At this point, when you hear how how the band rocks on this on this version, it's, it's incredible. Uh, "That's All Right, Mama" usually delivers delivers the goods, and this this version is no exception. Uh, Garcia and company just rip on this uh, awesome ending to the uh, to the first set, and there's also like a symmetry to the show as we move into the into the second set. Uh, I mean, from this point forward, there's there's not a weak link or even anything like that. It's just all all brilliance moving moving forward. Um, hey, by, by the way, I forgot to mention at the beginning. I want to thank my friend Larry Gindorf for suggesting that I do this. I think it was going to be on my uh, itinerary to do for the uh, Garcia Band Month, but Larry said, "Why don't you do this show?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I, I went back and I hadn't heard the show in years because once again, as I usually mention when I'm doing a Garcia Band show. It's not as easily accessible as uh, as Grateful Dead shows, so it's uh, definitely nice to go back and listen to this. Man, I was kind of blown away when I heard this again. I, I knew I would be, but I hadn't heard it in many years. Such a great show. And uh, set two opens with uh, Money Honey, and this is where the, the symmetry comes in because they, uh, they end the first set with That's All Right Mama, a song made famous by Elvis. And Money Honey was a big hit for Elvis as well. So you got, you got, you got uh, Elvis closing the... First set, opening the second set, uh, you got a couple of Hunter uh, rockers, uh, not ro- a couple of Hunter songs in there, uh, Deal and Friend of the Devil in the first set. Uh, so there's going to be a, a couple more pairings coming up here, but th- there's a beautiful symmetry as to this show as well. So uh, Money Honey opens, and th- these are songs which are definitely, you know, trademark 1980 Garcia Band songs. Uh, they're, they're also from earlier, the, the Keystone days, 72, 73. Um, but these are songs that you wouldn't hear again till late 90s if you heard them at all. So 1980 definitely is you know a, a banner moment for the, playing the best versions of these songs. Awesome version of Honey, Money, Money Honey. Uh, Jerry's just you know reliving. This is the Jerry jukebox, what he listened to, what he loved. And uh, he's putting the microscope to it jamming and savoring it and uh giving it giving it to future generations so we could savor those songs and 
How much, I mean, as, as Grateful Dead fans, how much did we learn about the world of music from uh, Garcia Band and Dead, the songs they did, uh, the covers they did? So um, great money, honey, to open the second set. And then uh, we're going to go into the world of Jimmy Cliff um, <clears throat> sitting here in limbo. And just another great interpretation by uh, Garcia here uh, sitting sitting here in limbo. The Jimmy Cliff version is awesome, but it's a thing where Jerry finds these songs, the, the genius of, of, of what he does. He finds the songs that he likes, and then he takes it and turns like a four-minute, three, four-minute song into like, you know, 12 minutes and 15, 13, 14 minutes on, on different nights and just extends it because he doesn't want to let go of the song, you know. Um, this little boy is moving on, all the great lights, lines and sitting here in limbo. Garcia just has a way of framing it um, that, that, that really sticks with you. I mean, it sticks with you when you hear the Jimmy Cliff version, but in, in a different way when Jerry's there, because it's just that line. He just has a way of magnifying it and and getting the getting the most out of these songs. So this this is a great version, and there's really a shrieking awesome guitar solo, very hot for sitting here in limbo as well. And uh, man, just when they go into that bridge, I don't know what life will show me, but I know what I've seen. I can't see where life will lead me, but I know where I've been. Try my hand at love and friendship, but all that is past and gone. This little boy is moving on, sitting here in limbo. Just a awesome song, uh, but definitely it slowed things down. A nice, a nice ballad, and f- from this point forward, in the in the second set, it just get it's insanity. The some of the hottest rock and roll you will ever hear from the Jerry Garcia band or any other band. Next up on the Jerry Jukebox is one of his all-time favorites, Let It Rock. And man, this, in the words of the immortal Robert Johnson, is the stuff that we got will bust your brains out. Just some incredible screaming rock and roll here from the Jerry Garcia band. Um, as hot a jam as you will hear in any Let It Rock. Uh, the first solo is nice. Uh, Garcia hands off to Ozzy Aller is good jam, but this second solo is nuts, so let's check it out. Let it rock, Oswego.
the Jerry Garcia band, sweating and shredding, pounding one out for the working man with a steel jackhammer. What a letter rock. Oswego was blessed on this night. Just It's amazing how these things, just a great show, will just materialize out of nowhere after a kind of a lackluster, uh, butchered start uh, through the first four songs of this this evening. Oh, that, that might be a little tough, but it was a, n- nothing more than an average show after the first four songs, and then it just took off like crazy, this, this, this show. And it, it doesn't stop here. After that amazing letter rock, there's only one thing uh, that that the Jerry Garcia band could pull out of their hat that would top what they just did. And that was After Midnight, Eleanor Rigby, After Midnight, which is what they end uh, this second set with. And uh, this is definitely the, the thing that makes... February 1980 special in uh, Jerry Garcia band history. This is the masterpiece of the, of the Jerry Garcia band. There's nothing even. Uh, I I don't know what else I could put in this the same category as this. Uh, don't let goes cool. And there's a whole bunch of great songs, but uh, just the, this combination is unbelievable. And what they do here in in Oswego, this is the best one. The one from the King College. Uh, which is obviously available on the After Midnight uh, CD. I talked about this on an earlier episode. Very cool version. The After Midnight reprise on that is the best. But everything else, this is Swigo version. Uh, The the opening After Midnight before the Eleanor Rigby, going into the Eleanor Rigby, definitely the best one that they ever did. It's it's insane. Uh, Eleanor Rigby, easily the best Rigby, the longest. They jam well, well after it. And then it's a very strong After Midnight re- reprise there. Um, uh, the Leisner version is good from February 12th. And there's also a very good one, really good one from the Keystone. I forget if it's either the 7th or the 8th. I think it's the 8th of, uh, of March. Uh, but this this is comes in at number one on, on, my, uh, on, my, on my rating thing, the Oswego After Midnight, Eleanor Rigby After Midnight. And we'll, we're going to hear a nice chunk of that Rigby. It's, it's so amazing. Uh, but before we hear that, uh, I did an interview with Ozzy Allers many years, uh, many years ago, and he talks about, um, you know, which fits perfectly here. In the interview, he mentioned how they came about doing Eleanor Rigby. So this is uh, Ozzy from a few years back, an interview I conducted for my book, Positively Garcia. And then we'll hear the Rigby from Oswego. Uh, allude to the to the Eleanor Rigby that came up. That's uh, definitely Khan. He loved uh He's a jazz buff, jazz and rhythm and blues buff, and he would love to do what the jazz guys did, and that would be bring in a um, a pop song and throw it into the middle of a uh, middle of a tune and just allude to that for a while. Number four, uh, early in the tour, the band flirted with it. There it is, Eleanor Rigby before it became a full blown instrumental in the middle of After Midnight. Yes, it was discussed. Yes, it was touched because Jerry would uh, play the line. Uh, John would would you know. Uh, fall in behind the line and um you know as as a keyboard player i'd you know might do the the beatles part then uh which was <laughs> didn't have a keyboard in it because it was uh pretty much all string quartet but we all went through the uh went through the motions of it and yeah it really became uh kind of exciting in the middle and everybody everybody dug it it was it was a jazz moment we all joked about that how how jazz players you know we certainly weren't jazz players we were uh we were rock and and folk players but we would um we joked about how it was going to be uh done and then of course a double time uh that just happened 
that was just like Jerry just decided. Um, sorry, I'm I'm tired of waiting for these. You know, he went right into the jazz tempo of it. So yeah, he uh, he was really cool. Um, let's see, we rehearsed that one. Yeah.
phenomenal improvisation there from uh, Jerry and folks. Wow. Just um, the, the excess jamming on that Rigby, unlike any other version, they were just on fire and a sweet on this night, going from uh, the soulful reggae to the heavy rock into the kind of jazz moment, as Ozzy Allers called it. Definitely uh, very jazzy there. The Rigby, it's a shame they didn't uh, continue on with the After Midnight Eleanor Rigby's or they didn't even play the After Midnight that much, uh, much after uh, 1980. Uh, when I listen to this Oswego show and a lot of these 80s shows, I'm, I missed the great year by a, by a year. I started seeing Jerry Garcia Band in 81. I never saw Money Honey. I never saw Positively 4th Street. And I certainly never saw the After Midnight Rigby Midnight Man. And a very awesome uh, reprise after the Rigby um, to, to close out the second set is Oswego. Um, if you want to hear that version, uh, the, the Rigby Midnight, um, I have it up on my youtube page and also the facebook uh deadology uh facebook group um if you want to join that join the group you can post whatever you want on there comment on the show uh you know put in your two cents suggest future episodes uh yeah uh facebook uh deadology podcast we got a group out there and um yeah so the the second set ends here in oswego um, and a, a lot of great Garcia shows when, when he did, when he would do a solo show, if it was two sets, a lot of times he'd split without an encore. Um, if he's doing an early or late show, usually you always got the encore. Um, like a music mountain is a, an example of a great show where they did a two set show, uh, no encore. Uh, but on this night, Jerry was in no rush to go, to go anywhere. It was like, you know, he was just digging the Oswego vibe in Laker Hall. Uh, so he comes out for an encore, and the symmetry comes back into play. Uh, first song for the encore, it takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry, the Dylan classic. And I, I was reminded when I listened to this uh, for the podcast, it's a beautiful, slow version, obviously electric, but just you know, nice, slow version. Um, it kind of caught me by surprise compared to some of the early, earlier versions. And uh, pretty long, too. In, in the encore slot, usually, you know, you uh, Grateful Dead, Garcia Band, you try to get out of there in six, seven minutes. Midnight, Moonlight, six minutes. Everybody's dancing. See you later. You got your money's worth. We're happy. Blah, blah, blah. And no such thing in a Oswego this night. You almost get like a mini set here, here at the end. Um, you know, and, and it's a three-CD show. This Oswego one show took up three CDs, so it had the length of an entire Grateful Dead show. Uh, that's that's how much uh, the Gar, Gar Band put into it on this night. So you got you got this uh, cool version, slow version. There are no rush to leave. Um, takes <laughs> takes a lot to laugh, and then they follow up with "Harder They Come," and that, that's not a short song either, man. It's the uh, Jimmy Cliff number, uh, you know. So it's it doesn't have that crazy funky vibe of the Melvin Seal years that would come or the Merle, Merle Saunders version. It's almost, it's kind of cool. It's different. It almost has like a kind of Russian folky vibe. Um, for, for this particular uh, configuration of the Garcia band, uh, Jerry had to do a lot. He had to fill a lot of spaces because he, they didn't have as many people. They didn't have the background singers and uh, he definitely uh, carried the load, and would make, that's one of the things that makes it so great. There's so much Jerry filling so many spots in here. 
you know, it's it's cool version of Harder They Come, even though I, I definitely prefer the the funkier, more soulful versions in, in the future that to come with uh, Melvin Seals. But once again, another long, two long songs for an encore. You, you never get that anywhere. With even with the with the Grateful Dead, um, they do a do a, if he caught a long song, there would be a short one after on a double encore. But um, yeah, I mean Jerry does like another 25, 30 minutes here for the encore, which is crazy. It just put the the topping on a, what was already an awesome show, and I ranked it fourth in my book, Positively Garcia: Reflections of the JB. Uh, JGB, 1972 to 1984. I focused on on those years, and um, yeah, that so that book's uh, available on my website, Tangled Up in Tunes, as well as Amazon, where all my other books are. And hey, that wraps up another episode of the Deadology podcast, Jerry Month. It's it's a real treat for me to go back and dig into these shows and hopefully everybody else is out there is enjoying it um i got a uh, some more great jerry for uh for next week i'm pretty sure i know i know what i'm gonna do with that man um i'm thinking roseland 83 man that's been much of my mind two of the best shows back to back uh that whole 83 tour i'm definitely gonna do do something from uh that month and i know a lot of you guys gals out there went to that those roseland shows uh very memorable times and some of the the best shows for me that was the best week I ever saw in Jerry Garcia band history was the week they played the Roseland they played Cape Cod uh, before that they did the Bushnell uh, they played in the Chance just such a memorable week so uh, we're gonna take a look at that uh, next week everybody thanks for listening once again any suggestions email me catfishgarcia82 at yahoo.com or you know YouTube or uh, the Facebook uh, Deadology Podcast Group. Man, it's a pleasure doing this. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Speak to you next week. Peace out. Mm-hmm.